Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I am here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. You can call in with your prayer requests. You can call in. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you'd like some biblical perspective on to know what God's word has to say about it. Maybe there are things going on in society uh, that you have questions about from a, from a biblical perspective. Uh, maybe you have a prayer request that you would like to submit and have everybody listening be able to pray for that and uh, say amen together. This is the opportunity for you to do that every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time here on Grace FM Live, but we're also syndicated on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So welcome to you wherever you're tuning in today, whether you're tuning in on the East Coast and Appalachia, or if you're tuning in here along the front range of the Rockies, we are glad to have you tuning in. The number to call with your Bible questions and your prayer requests is 303 Six nine zero three thousand. That's three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. The text line again seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to pray for you during this next hour. Um, Again, we want to welcome those of you who are tuning in, wherever you're tuning in from. We know there are also many of you tuning in online today. We were looking at the map and seeing. That's the nice part about uh, online viewers is that we can actually see in real time where you're tuning in from. So it looks like we've got some listeners in the Pacific Northwest as well as the Midwest, um, down into the Southwest and the Northeast, the East Coast today. looks like we have all of our listeners are here in the United States today, but there might be some tuning in just for this show from abroad as well, which brings me to the fact that if you haven't yet downloaded the Grace FM app on your phone, I encourage you to do so even right now. Uh, you can just go in your phone to your App Store or to Google Play if you use Android, and you can type in Grace FM as one word, no spaces, and it will come up, and you can download that, put it on your phone, and it's totally free. And then you can listen to this show every day, as well as all the other great Bible teaching and worship and other programs that air here on Grace FM. You can listen to them anywhere, not only in the United States, but anywhere in the world. And we have many listeners who, who do that. We have listen, regular listeners all over Europe and Asia, as well as into Africa, South America, and all over the place. So we're, we're so glad for those of you who tune in, and we would love to hear from you. This is an opportunity for you to interact with us and let us know what's going on in your life, what questions you have about the Bible that you have always been curious about or wondered about. And uh, we would love to answer those questions and pray for those prayer requests. So again, the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show is always a great time 
uh, to call in right here at the beginning because a lot of people are, um, you know, calling in. We're, we're filling up the empty lines here at the beginning of the show. So now would be a great time to connect with us. Um, just want to tell you a few words about myself as we wait for those calls to come in. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. And um, we recently moved into a new building. So if you haven't joined us since we moved into the new building and you're within driving distance of Longmont, I'd like to personally invite you to worship with us either in person or no matter where you're located, you could join us online this Sunday. We have three in-person services at our church, and we have two online service times. So the in-person services are at 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m., and our online services are at 9.30 and 11. Those are live-streamed during those services. So 9.30 and 11 online, and in-person is 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11. And our church is located, physic our physical address is 2950 Colorful Avenue, in Longmont. That's 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado. And the zip is 80504. And what that tells you is that we are on the east side of Longmont. So in between downtown Longmont and I-25. And we're really conveniently located right on Highway 119. So in between County Line Road and, and I-25, we are in East Longmont here right on, right on Highway 119. We are directly opposite from Sandstone Ranch Community Park, which is where there's a skate park, there's ball fields, soccer complex as well there right along the St. Vrain River. And we are just on the north side of Highway 119. So as you're driving down uh, 119, which is also called Ken Pratt Boulevard here in Longmont, if you just look to the north when you're near Sandstone, you can't miss us. We have a big sign and we're right there uh, just to the north side of the highway. Uh, you can check out for directions for... Um, listening to past sermons for information about who we are and what we're about, you can check us out online on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear our sermons every weekday on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. Mountain Time. Every weekday we have a show that airs called Life in the Field, which are our Sunday sermons cut for the radio. A lot of great things happening at Whitefields right now. We just um, printed our year in review document, which we do for um, our church family, just to kind of report on all the great things that God has done. And as I was looking at it, I was actually surprised about all the things that God did in 2020. You know, it was a really hard year, but along with those difficulties, there were, un you know, we talk about unprecedented situation. You know what? There were also unprecedented open doors for the gospel. And just looking back on how God used 2020, you know, this what he did during this year, at least in our fellowship of believers, I'm just so encouraged and so excited about what this next year has to come. And you know what? I think no matter what difficulties or challenges this next year brings, there are going to be really big open doors for the gospel. And I am really excited about that, I got to tell you, because I love what the Apostle Paul said. I, I just can't get over it. I've, I've said it on this show before, and I'm probably going to say it again. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul the Apostle, he's writing from jail in Rome, awaiting trial. Why? Because he experienced corruption. He has been restrained. And think about what he's being restrained from. He's being restrained from fulfilling his calling, which was to plant churches and preach the gospel. And he had been doing that, raising up leaders, planting churches, preaching the gospel, traveling around the world. Then 
through a corrupt government and, and corrupt institutions. He ends up being falsely accused and being restrained. And yet, Paul is able to say, with the eyes of faith and the heart of faith, in Philippians chapter 1, he says, I want you to know that everything that has happened to me, what does what that mean? His arrest, all these things, everything that has happened to me has served the furtherance of the gospel. Now, how is that possible? Well, during that time that Paul's in jail, he writes four letters, which are, which are read for the past 2,000 years by Christians to encourage them to preach the gospel to them, uh, to, by people who don't even believe but are picking up a Bible. Uh, you know, he talks about how through his time there, the prison guards were getting saved and, and members of Caesar's household were coming to know the Lord because of his imprisonment. And so truly we can affirm what Paul's saying. Yes, it did uh, further the gospel. And you know what? The same thing is true in our lives as, as well, which is this 2020 and 2021, you know, if it's worse, which I got to say for the past six days, it kind of has been worse it's even as far as the virus and, and all the difficulties going on in Washington, D.C. Um, and yet God is going to open doors this year for the gospel that no one can shut and which are going to be incredible. The question is, are we going to have the faith to see it and to to step through those doors when he opens them? And I'm really excited for all that God has done and what this uh, next year holds. I hope you are as well. I think that's the thing as Christians, you know, we can be hopeful in the midst of difficult circumstances because we know that our father is always working and he wants to do great things in and through us, even in the most difficult situations. All right, so let's go over to Clay in Pasadena, Maryland. Clay, welcome to the program. Thank you. So let the uh, program's great, thank you. But uh, uh, let me set a premise. I'm a, an old school Calvary Chapelite, and I truly believe in the gifts. I just believe that there's a whole lot of counterfeit or emotionalism or um, other types of ways that people, um, you know, to, to be accepted um, kind of make believe that the gifts are going through. And the reason why I bring this up is I have a friend of mine that's a pastor that in his church, he openly promotes the exercising of the gifts, and he has a number of people at his church that have been prophesying publicly that Trump was going to win the election by a landslide, by all kinds of different ways. And he posted today or yesterday, um, how do I address the people that are asking questions saying these prophecies were publicly prophesied in the church, but they didn't come true? How do I address that? He, he, I'm not sure if he ever prophesied himself as the pastor, mm -hmm. but there are people in his church that they have, you know, condoned and, and actually accepted prophesying that Trump's going to win, and he didn't win. So how do you deal with the questions from the people and where, you know, where's the difference? You know, the, he's telling me there's a difference between the prophecy of the Old Testament and the prophecy of the New Testament, which I'm not really comfortable with that response. But I, you know, I don't want to attack. I want to really have a, an answer on how you yeah. deal with this. 
Yeah, it's a great, uh, great question. And, you know, it's one that actually I was dealing with last night because, um, you know, we were watching YouTube as a family and in our YouTube suggestions, you know, there comes up this prophecy um, video of someone prophesying that Trump's going to win. It's like in the title. We didn't even watch it. But um, my kids, you know, they're asking, well, what's that all about? Right. Like people prophesying and then they were wrong. And, you know, what? this isn't the first time that people have prophesied stuff that didn't come true. There, here's the the first place I would go would be, and, and I do have a few thoughts on this, so so let's tease this out, okay? So First Thessalonians chapter five is a great place to start, and um, let's go there and just look at verses nineteen, twenty, and twenty-one of chapter five. Now, First Thessalonians five, without sounding, you know, crass or anything, it, it's kind of like the the place uh, you could call it like the junk drawer of the letter where he's he's putting all these thoughts that are very important and very true but they didn't really fit into the narrative flow of what he was saying in the first four chapters so he wants to put them in at the end and so he's got several thoughts that are kind of like one-liners that that are only a few words long here's what he says but but some of these are connected so look at uh, verse 19 it says this do not quench the spirit. Well, what does he mean by that? Look at verse 20. Do not despise prophecies. Verse 21. But test everything and hold fast to what is good. And verse 22. Abstain from every form of evil. Okay, a few things there. What is the context of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians? Well, the context and becomes especially clear in 2 Thessalonians, but it is also clear in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The context is that some people had come into the Thessalonian church and they were claiming and perhaps even claiming that this was a prophetic word. They were claiming to have spiritual authority and they were saying, Jesus has already returned. And the Thessalonians wrote to Paul and they were really worried because Paul had planted their church. Paul was their, you know, pastor emeritus, if you will. And so they write to Paul and they say, hey, Paul, um, so these, these guys, and they, they're claiming to have spiritual authority, and they say that Jesus returned. And, you know, on the one hand, what, what do we do with that? Do we believe them? Um, can you give us some insight? And Paul says, oh, listen, you, when Jesus returns, you're not going to miss it. And then in the second part of, of, well, his second letter to the Thessalonians, he says, not only are you not going to miss it, but know this, before Jesus returns, the, son, the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, must come first. So you'll know when it's even going to happen. That'll be kind of a sign that the times are coming. All that to say, this is the context they were dealing with, was essentially what, what you might call a false prophecy. And so Paul is saying into that situation, listen, do not quench the spirit and do not despise prophecies. In other words, don't write this stuff off. Don't say, well, Anybody who claims to have a prophecy is just all nonsense and, and just ignore it. Um, it's not real anymore. But instead, he says, don't despise prophecies, but yet test everything and hold fast to what is good. And those two things, that is what we always hold in tension. We want to give room for the prophetic gifts. We want to give room for God to speak and move. And yet, we don't want to give legitimacy to people who are let's say they're trying to give more weight or validity to what they want to say or claim just because, um, or, or by saying that it is a, a prophecy, 
right? So like, for example, this, this is a really common example of that. You'll get people who will come up to you and say, the Lord told me this or that. And sometimes maybe it is the Lord telling them, but other times, you know, you're, you're listening to it and you're like, you know what? I can tell that this is just completely fleshly. Like, like basically you just want to do something, but you don't want to take responsibility for it. And so you're trying to pass the buck onto God so that it kind of like bolsters your claim. Like it would be better for you to just say, I want to do this. And I think God wants me to do that. Like have some humility in it. Right now, on the other hand, we do want to say, Hey, um, you know, God does speak. God does speak prophetically as well. And, and we, we don't want to become um, cessationists, which is a person who doesn't believe in the gifts being for today, just because we haven't seen the gifts used well, or because we've seen misuses. That would be throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So all that to say, I think this is a great way to look at it, is to say, look, if somebody says something and they claim that it's from the Lord, I really can't discern, you know, with my thing. If, if, it, if it doesn't contradict the Bible, right? So if it contradicts the Bible, then I can say that is not a word from the Lord. If it doesn't contradict the Bible, but it claims to, you know, predict something that's going to happen, here's what I recommend. We put it on the shelf and we say, we'll see. And if it turns out that uh, it was not, then we say, okay, it was not, and you were being presumptuous. Now, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 18, verse 22, we're told that if somebody speaks presumptuously, and by the way, that is the exact word that is used there, speaking presumptuously, um, then it says that that person was to be put to death. Um, it says in, in 1 Kings chapter 13, same thing. False prophets were to have their lives taken from them, you know, for being so presumptuous as claiming to speak on the, in the name of the Lord when it wasn't actually from the Lord. Now, that's, that's speaking into a theocratic system, and we could get into why that's no longer applicable in our day. Um, that's a whole different issue. But I will say this. It's speaking into a different system than what we live in today, a theocratic system. That's why we don't stone people to death who are um, presumptuously claiming to have prophecies. Uh, on the other hand, you know, we, we would write that person off and say, well, I'm not saying we'd write them off forever. We're writing off that prophecy and saying, okay, look, what you said was presumptuous. We'll have grace for you. But hey, in the future, like, let's make sure that this is really from the Lord before you go around claiming that you have a word from the Lord. The the other passage that comes to mind, two more passages and then I'm done. Uh, one is at first... 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, tells us that prophecy is essentially a word from the Lord which serves to do three things. Build up, encourage, and bring consolation. So it's a word from the Lord for a specific time. What that means is that not all prophecy is predicting the future. That's just an important point that we've got to keep in mind. And finally, I would point you towards Acts chapter 20. And there we read about a prophet who speaks to Paul the Apostle. Actually, it might be in chapter 21. I'll have to take a look. Um, yeah, it's in chapter 20. And I'm sorry, it is in chapter 21. Agabus, yep, this is it. Okay, chapter 21, verse 10. There's a prophet named Agabus who comes from Judea. He takes Paul's belt, binds his own feet and hands with it, and says, Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. It says, when we heard this, 
we and the people there urged him not to go to Jerusalem, but Paul essentially went anyway. Now, that, here's what's interesting. That prophecy wasn't incorrect, but how Paul responded to it mattered a lot. The people were saying, in response to that, you shouldn't go. Paul said that he should go. What One of the things this tells us is that in the New Testament, the prophets were viewed in this way, that their words, their, their actions were, say, this is a word from the Lord, but it didn't necessarily tell you how to respond to it. That was the, the response was left up to the congregation. So those are my thoughts on that. I hope that helps. Yeah, sort of like a word of understanding instead of a word of wisdom. Um, you, you don't know how to respond to it, but it is something that has been, um, gives you information about what's going on. Um, that's, that, this is cool. I, I really thank you. Um, I, I, this is uh, very helpful. Yeah, my pleasure. God bless you. You too. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. The number to call with your Bible questions and with your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And you can also text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. That's seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. We have all open lines right now, so it's a great time for you to call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. Over on our text line, we have somebody who texted in and said, "Please pray for my friend. He is backsliding. He is hooked on pain meds, and he's ruining his marriage. He's involved in pornography." Yeah, very. Um, very sad to hear that. I'm sorry to hear about your friend there. Um, this is from a listener in Fort Collins. So let's go ahead and pray for this listener's friend. Heavenly Father, we lift up to you um, this dear listener's friend. And Lord, we're so sorry to hear about his backsliding. We're so har- sorry to hear that he's hooked on drugs. And, and Lord, we just ask for you to take hold of his heart, take hold of his mind. Lord, thank you that um, your word not only tells us that those who love you will obey your commands, but it tells us that you've given us your spirit to be our helper, to be the one who strengthens us, to be able to do the things that we don't have the strength to do. And so, Lord, we pray for um, this person's friend that, Lord, you would, first of all, take hold of their heart. Lord, get them to the point of surrender in their life where they surrender to you everything. And Lord, then would you begin that work of sanctifying, of cleansing, of getting him off of the meds, getting him off of the drugs, getting him out of the pornography. Lord, we ask for a healing and restoring work for his marriage. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Praying for your friend. Thank you for the text message and glad to know how we can pray for you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We're here today answering your prayer requests, praying for your prayer requests, answering your questions about the Bible. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line 720-336-0897. Looks like we've got all open lines, which means it's a great time to call in. We can get you right on the show when you call in. So do give us a call, 303-690-3000.
we have a prayer request that has come in. Someone asking for us to pray for those, pray for the families of those who passed away in Wednesday's um, disorder at the Capitol building in Washington, D.C. Looks like there was a police officer who passed away. There was a, a woman who was shot. There was someone who died of, from being uh, trampled and a man who died of a heart attack as well as another who died of a stroke. So let's pray for their families. Heavenly Father, we pray for the families of those who lost their lives um, on Wednesday or since then because of the um, disorder that took place at the Capitol building. Lord, we pray for the families of these people, Lord, that you would be with them. And, and Lord, especially um, for the, the family of this police officer who was um, killed. Lord, we ask that you would bring comfort to those who need comfort during this time. Lord, we pray for that you would um, be with those and, and bring clarity to understanding this situation, understanding that, Lord, in the midst of these difficult things, Lord, you are on the throne. Lord, we ask that you would uh, do this for the good of these families and for your glory. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. We are praying for your prayer requests. We are answering your Bible questions here on Calvary Live. We've got a few more minutes until our mid-show break, but we want to hear from you, so give us a call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. You can call me with your uh, prayer requests, with your questions about the Bible. Maybe you've been reading the Bible and there's something that's always confused you. Uh, maybe you have been... Uh, dealing with something in your life and you're curious what the Bible has to say about it. This is the show where you can call in and ask those questions and submit those prayer requests. So give us a call 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. We have a prayer request that was just submitted. Uh, someone says, I'm, pr I'm asking for prayer for my son, Nathan. He's 36 years old. He was a medic in Iraq and Afghanistan. He has severe PTSD and he has struggled with addiction, beating his addiction to alcohol, but still struggling with behaviors and other addictions. Um, he's been in rehab and um, he's gotten into Native American religions and um, he thinks that certain rituals and and things that they do in those Native American religions can help him overcome his addiction. So please pray for him. Okay, let's do that. Lord, we lift up Nathan to you. Lord, you know this man inside and out. You created him and you sustain him, Lord, every day. And Lord, thank you that you love him. You love him even more than his parents can love him. And so, Lord, we, we pray for him that after all the trauma, all the difficulties that he suffered because of his service and, and other things, Lord, we pray that you would be with him. Heal what is broken in his mind and his heart. And Lord, would you please give him recovery from the PTSD, from the other things he's experienced. Lord, give him strength to overcome these addictions in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray that you would pull him out of and redeem him from the Native American religions that he's getting involved in. Lord, we pray that he would not worship creation, but that he would worship the creator. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I just speaking to this person who sent the prayer request, um, my heart really goes out to you and to your son. That's very difficult, and I'm, I'm sorry you're going through that, but we really do believe that 
God can break through even the most difficult situations such as this one. So uh, thank you for that prayer request. And let's continue praying for uh, Nathan, for his full recovery, and for God to bring him out of these Native American religions that he's caught up in. We pray that. And let's be praying those things in Jesus' name. Hey, we've come up to our last minute in before our break. Right after the break, we're going to go to Keith in Death Valley. And we got another uh, question that's come in about the Bible. But if you have a question, this is the uh, show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life from a biblical perspective. You can call in with your prayer requests. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. That music means that we have reached our two-minute break. So we'll be back right after the show. You can call us during the break, and we'll get you on afterwards. And we'll go to Keith and to the text message right after this break. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'm here today taking your calls and texts live on the air. I'm your host every Friday here on Calvary Live, which is the show where you can call in with your Bible questions and your prayer requests, and we answer them here on the air every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time. The number to call, we've got one open line, by the way, number to call, 303-690-3000, or you can text us, 720-336-0897. Let's go to Keith in Death Valley, California. Hi, Keith. Welcome to the program. Pastor. Hello. Good to hear from you. Pastor. You're on the air. Yes. Well, I thought of a couple of things when you were talking to the gentleman about his friend that lets prophecy be spoken out in the church, and then what you mentioned in Acts. I was curious if what his pastor friend was doing maybe wasn't the best thing in along the lines of um, Paul talking about speaking in tongues in the church out loud, maybe without interpretation, maybe is actually just confusion. I don't know if I paraphrase that correctly, but... And then the second part is when you mentioned in Acts, and I quickly looked it up, it says that in chapter 21 that Paul, they landed at Tyre, they found disciples and stayed there, but the disciples there told Paul through the Spirit not to go to Jerusalem. Mm, and I always wondered I why they would tell him that through the Spirit, if he already knew or thought through the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Yeah, I always wondered why. Great question. And that is actually the verse I was thinking of originally um, and couldn't find it in the second. So thank you for the follow-up call. Okay, so here is the answer to your first question. Having people give prophecy in church, there's a, there's a lot of discussion around this, you know, what is the role and what is the proper place for the practicing of spiritual gifts in the church? One of the main arguments, by the way, would be that the nature of preaching is prophetic in the sense of if we go over to 1 Corinthians 14 and look at verse 3, 
where it says that a person who prophesies um, gives, let's see, verse 3, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. Well, that's a great discernment. That's a great description of a sermon. That's what a sermon is all about. Speaking to people on behalf of God, speaking God's word to people, speaking into a specific situation with a word from the Lord for the people's upbuilding, encouragement, and consolation. So a lot of people would say when preaching is taking place, that that is also a time when that there's a prophetic element to that. And I, I really agree with that. Now, on the other hand, um, it, you know, to your question of what is the place of this in the church, actually, I would encourage you to look at 1 Corinthians 14, the entire chapter. Paul's argument in that chapter is that there is a role in Sunday mornings or, or our main church gatherings not for speaking in tongues. And the reason is because a person who speaks in tongues, he says in, in verse 2, speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him and he utters mysteries in the spirit. So Paul makes this argument and says, I would rather, you know, thousand words be spoken in prophecy in a church service and five words be spoken in a tongue. Because, and that's why he says, if there's a, someone who speaks in tongues, there needs to be an interpreter because otherwise people aren't going aren't gonna to understand and new people are, might be totally weirded out. Uh, on the other hand, he says, but prophecy? Yeah, he says, uh, here's a great verse. This is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24. He says, he says if, if everybody's speaking in tongues and somebody comes in, they're, they're going to think that you're out of your minds is literally how the ESV version puts it. But verse 24, he says, but if on the other hand, people are prophesying, then when an unbeliever or outsider enters, he will be convicted and he will be called to account. So actually, Paul's argument is that there is a role for prophecy in the church service. Now, again, how that works out in practice, where that means that you call somebody up and say, hey, you know, this guy or this woman has a word of prophecy to share with the church or whether you view that as the prophetic gift working through the preaching of the word of God and the expositing of the word of God, which would be definitely the approach that I would lean towards. Um, that I think that, that that's a discussion to be had. Here's an interesting point, though, on this, on this same topic, is that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul goes into this whole thing about head coverings. And a lot of people, you know, when they say, okay, this is the section about head coverings, but... If you read the section, he says something really interesting. He says, if a woman is going to speak or pray or prophesy in church. So I'll read this to you. This is 1 Corinthians 11, verse 4 and 5. Every man who prays or prophesies in the church gathering with his head covers dishonors his head. But every wife who prays, and that word wife can also be translated woman. Um, every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head um, now we could get into the whole thing about head coverings but just let's take note of the fact that he's mentioning that people are prophesying in church gatherings and not just men but also women so that means women are speaking they're praying they're prophesying in early church gatherings and that's important for us to take note of so there is a, a role for that to answer your other question over in Acts 21, which I, I'm really glad you brought up, 
Yeah, this is this is a really interesting one. I did a class in seminary on the gifts of the Spirit and how they were used in the early church. And this was one of the things that we studied was this very verse. And um, this is interesting that they say that through the Spirit they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. What does that mean? Does it mean that their words were inspired by the Holy Spirit? Or is through the Spirit a euphemism or a phrase, a colloquialism that speaks of doing something in a certain way, right? Meaning, what does that mean, through the Spirit? Well, it seems to be that that is a phrase which means that they were, in a word, prophesying to Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And yet Paul goes. And in chapter 20, he even says that he has set his mind that he is going to Jerusalem knowing that um, he is going to face things there that are going to be really hard. But he says, um, the Holy Spirit, well, he says the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm constrained by the Holy Spirit. So here's what's so interesting. Chapter 20, verse 22, he says, I'm going to Jerusalem because the Holy Spirit is telling me to. Then you go down to chapter 21, verse 4, and there are these guys who purportedly are saying to him in a prophecy not to go to Jerusalem. Then you have another prophecy down here from this guy Agabus who is saying, well, here is what will happen to you if you do go to Jerusalem. And the way that this has been, you know, kind of explained uh, by those who have studied it is to say that the guys in chapter 4, or sorry, in chapter 21, verse 4, were claiming to prophesy, but what they were saying was not truly from the Lord. On the other hand, Agabus's message is from the Lord. And yet, here's what happens, and this is very relevant to our day and age, is that we hear all these different prophecies, and we need to discern which ones are truly from the Lord and how we should respond. You know, like, like the guy earlier. You know, somebody comes up, gives a prophecy about what's going to happen in the election, and somebody else gives a prophecy about the opposite happening in the election. Well, what do we do? How do we know the difference? Well, we need to seek the Lord, you know put it on the shelf, kind of wait to see what happens, but also seek the Lord and say, okay, which of these do they align with Scripture? If there's no disagreement with Scripture, then in that case, what do we do? And so it, it would seem that, you know, with Paul, he's convinced by some sort of internal leading of the Spirit that he is going to face difficulties, and yet he should still go to Jerusalem. And... um yeah, so, so it seems to be that there was a, a working through it, both personally and in the church, you know, in the community of believers, to discern which prophecies were from the Lord and which were not. Mm -hmm. So then would they, whether or not they come true uh, be a proof of it being from the Holy Spirit? It would be. From the yeah. Lord? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, well, thank you. Yeah, great question. I love... Uh, Love wrestling through this stuff. So thank you for the call. All right. God bless you. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air. We've got two open lines and the number to call, 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Juanne in um, Strasburg, Colorado. Hi, I'm pretty sure I pronounced your name wrong. Is it Wani? It's Wani, yes. I'm and sorry. Thank you. I'm the one that sent in the prayer request for my son, Nathan. 
Okay. And my, but my question that I'm struggling with is that, you know, in the Word it says that God is outside of time and He has foreknowledge. Before we draw the first breath, how we as an individual will respond to the good news. Mm-hmm. And my son has been struggling for decades. And uh, I, I, I continue to pray for him. I continue to pray, you know, the word when I'm in my private prayer time, praying the word over him. And I guess my question is, when when do we know that, or do we just keep doing it in faith that, because we don't know God's mind. We don't know, you know, who is going to say yes to the word of God and to the truth, and who's not, no matter what you do. If you could walk on water, they're not going to believe. Mm-hmm. Does that You're make right. sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely something that a lot of people who have loved ones struggle through, is saying, you know, I'm praying for this person. I don't really see them responding. Should it, What's the point in praying if God already knows? Or, or let's go one step further, and let's look at like where Jesus says to his disciples, you didn't choose me. I chose you before you ever knew me. You know, and Paul says that God chose us from before the foundations of the earth. Well, some people would respond to that and say, well, so look, if God's chosen some people by implication, does that mean that other people are not chosen? And if they're not chosen, then am I wasting my breath praying for them? Now, here's, here's the verse I want to point you to. And I find this really encouraging and really, I guess, gives a lot of direction to us. In Romans chapter 10, okay. Um, let me give you a little context, but Romans chapter 10 is where we're going to land. Okay. Okay. The context is, down. okay, cool. The context is Romans chapter 9 through 11. In those three chapters, Paul is dealing with questions that would arise about Israel based on what he said in chapters 1 through 8. Okay. And so what what he comes to is like he's answering questions that would arise about the role and and God's working with Israel. And and people might ask, well, so now if anybody can be saved and be a chosen person by believing, then what about Israel? Weren't they chosen? And if they don't believe, does that mean that you can be chosen and then lose your chosenness? Right? Like you can be chosen and then not be saved? Like how does this work? If Israel was God's chosen people and yet now believers are the chosen people, then did God forsake Israel and trade them for believers? Or or, or how does this work? Right? Essentially those are the questions that Paul is anticipating and responding to. Okay. And he says there in chapter nine, he says, Look, verse six, it is not as though the word of God has failed. And then he goes on to explain how it works with Israel and how it works with being chosen. But here's one of the really interesting things about chapter 9, is that this is kind of the classic chapter that we turn to when we want to talk about God's choosing of people, God's sovereign choosing of some people for salvation. Mm-hmm. Now here's what's interesting. Directly after this, of saying that, um, you know, talking about God choosing some, he mm-hmm. then goes on into chapter 10 and he says this, Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they would be saved. This is chapter 10, verse 1. Now now look at chapter 10, verse 2. 
but I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Okay, back to chapter one, it's actually where I wanted to stay, which is this. He says, what does he say? My heart's desire and my prayer. Okay, so Paul is saying that he is praying for Israel to be saved. But didn't he just say in the previous chapter that God chooses some? And so by implication, that means that there are some who are not chosen. And yet Paul chooses to pray. Here's why. Because he doesn't know. And he is going to ask God to save people. And he's going to keep doing it because, as you said, God has foreknowledge. He knows what's going to happen in the future. And yet we don't have that foreknowledge. We, you could put it like this. God's watching a parade from a blimp. And we're watching the parade from down on the street. When you watch a parade from the blimp, you can see the beginning and you can see the end. You see the whole thing is one thing in your perspective at all times. And yet, if you watch a parade from the street, you see each thing that comes by as it comes by. And you only see one thing at a time. Now, because we don't know the end from the beginning, because we don't know, have that foreknowledge that God has, we are called to pray and that includes praying for the salvation of people, even if we don't know, you know, if they're chosen or not. Now, we pray that they will be. And there's one way to find out if you're chosen, which is to put your faith in Jesus and you'll find out that you were chosen. Right. So um, we want to keep preaching the gospel. And, and, you know, with me, I love Paul, the apostle, because look at chapter nine. He's talking about how he firmly believes in God's sovereign choice. He says it in, in Ephesians chapter 1 as well. And yet, what was he doing this entire time? He was evangelizing, going, preaching the gospel, praying for people to be saved. And I think that that shows us that these two things are not mutually exclusive. God's sovereignty doesn't cause us to uh, respond in, what's the word I'm looking for? Inaction or complacency. Mm -hmm. Rather, it, it all the more causes us to say, well, I'm going to pray for this person because, you know, who knows if that person, God has, has called that person to himself and they just haven't responded yet. It, it reminds me of one more verse, which is Acts chapter 18. Paul the Apostle is in Corinth and he's not having a lot of success as a um, missionary in Corinth. And he's actually um, experiencing some persecution. And he's saying, you know what? I'm, I'm just going to leave. I'm not making an impact. And what's the point of staying here and just getting beat up all the time? So he says, I'm going to leave. Well, that night in a vision, God speaks to him and says, hey, hey, don't leave yet because I still have more people in this city. Think about that. What is he saying? He's saying there are people in this city who are my people. They just don't know it yet. They're, they are my people, but they haven't yet responded to the gospel. And I need you to stay there so you can preach to them so they can hear the word and by hearing the word of God, it will produce faith in them. They will believe and they'll be saved. So um, I want to encourage you to persevere in prayer. Okay. Thank you so, so very much. My I pleasure. really, really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. God Bye. bless you. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got 11 minutes left in the show. 
and I'd love to hear from you. We've got time for a few more callers. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or you can text us 720-336-0897. Let's go to David in Parker, Colorado. Hi, David. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. Um, thanks for taking my question. Um, it kind of is on, in the theme today of... of um, gifts of the spirit and the kind of the debate between continuation or cessation. Um, and as I've, as I've been reading, it seems to me that I, maybe not as much with prophecies, but more with the miracle, miraculous works or the faith healing or things like that. When I look through the old and the new Testament, every time that I see a miracle recorded, what that miracle really did from God's perspective, as opposed to the human perspective is that that miracle was kind of, it, it did two things. It identified that the person who was delivering this message was God's representative. And the second thing is, is that the message that this person is delivering is accurate and true and complete. And so every time that I see a miracle, it's being done in order to basically give um, authorization and validation of the message that's being delivered. Um, and I think it's, in the modern, um, in the modern day, the way that we look at miracles, we, we feel it seems like so many people want to twist it into, you know, I've earned something from God. I, I feel, you know, God, and it's completely from that human perspective of I want my needs or I want things as I understand them to be corrected the way I want them corrected, as opposed to a miracle is God doing a greater work of delivering His. Uh, communicating his will. Um, and so that just kind of, when he talked about testing the signs and wonders against the Scripture, I was just wondering if, if that seems like a, an appropriate way to do that test or not. Yeah, so just let me, let me uh, make sure I understand um, what you would be saying, is that the purpose of the miracles is to validate the person doing it is that what you're saying um or did i miss something i'm sorry well i'm trying to um uh, uh, yes but i that that they can also the way to distinguish between a um a miracle that's being worked as uh, part of god's will or not is to see really what is the purpose of what this miraculous act is doing um, is it validating a, a messenger um, to say that this person needs to be listened to, or is it, you know, the veritable genie in the bottle um, granting wishes? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, a good example of that might be to say, let's look at the fruit of this miracle or this prophecy. What What is the end result of it? If someone gives a prophecy and it turns out to be true, is that glorifying to God or is it, you know, just kind of glorifying to the messenger uh, or, you know, some some other thing like giving, like you said, genie in a bottle, just giving people what they want. He, here's a way to look at this is like a good example of this would be found in the book of Exodus with Moses and the um, the magicians of Pharaoh, where we see that the magicians of Pharaoh are able to replicate some of the things that Moses does, which tells us that there is some sort of spiritual power there. And yet the fruit or the result of what they do is like 
like they turned i love this one where uh moses strikes the river the river turns to blood and then the magicians of pharaoh are like well, we can do that wait a second so you just turned the fresh water into blood and so what they do is they dig a well and find some drinking water for the millions of people there who need drinking water and depend on the river and then they turn that to blood as well like that doesn't seem like a very good idea right don't we need that water um or you know they're they're like oh well we can make more snakes or we can make more plagues um they never resulted in like better things and so um yeah i think there are other examples of that you know where you see jesus's miracles uh leading to what they were previews of the kingdom here's what i would say is is also with with these miracles they they're intended to be what are they they're glimpses previews windows into the kingdom of god in the kingdom of god like when jesus's miracles right there is no more death there's no more blindness there is no more um sickness etc and so we see a restoration of the way that things are meant to be that should be also something that 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 we pay attention to is this thing giving number one glory to god like like matthew 5 16 or is it um you know is it giving a window into the kingdom of god so can i ask a more specific example give a more specific example sure um we spoke yesterday um my son is autistic he's nonverbal, um and a church in southeast denver here um told me that they could lay hands on my son and they could heal the autism. And when it didn't happen, they told me that it was because he was born to burn and so was I. And so my prayers that he be made whole were never going to be answered because uh, we were born to burn. And I struggled with that. And the conclusion that I came to is that they they don't have the truth. That's not the truth speaking. Um, yeah. They have ulterior motives. Yeah. They want to be able to perform miracles, but they want to they want to tell God how they should how life should be, and they want God to to make them look really good. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't list, I couldn't go to that church anymore because I don't think that they um, are on. They're not on the right page. They they read yeah. the same Bible. They sing the same songs, but they're not they're not understanding it and they're not teaching it in a proper way. Does that make right. sense? Uh, more than makes sense. I'm really sorry that they did that to you. That's essentially them kind of passing the blame on to you. I was going to ex- expect that they said something like it was your fault because you didn't pray good enough or maybe you have some sin in your life, but that's a that's a whole new extreme. And I'm really sorry to hear that, and I don't think that that's the answer at all. I mean, look at look at um John chapter 9, right? A man born blind. And they come to Jesus and they say, who sinned that this man was born blind? And Jesus said, it was neither this man who sinned nor his parents who sinned. He was born blind so that God could be glorified. And I will tell you that I believe that that is true in the life of your son as well. He was born this way um, by whether it's the active or the permissive will of God. Somehow God had a hand in this. And the reason he is he is in the place that he is is for god's glory and i would just encourage you that through even in the spite of his autism god can use him and wants to use him for his glory and i think that god also wants him to have joy in this life 
and that there's a redemption coming for him. I mean, these are all, we are more than conquerors in Christ, even if we have autism, even if we have cancer, whatever it is, right? We are more than conquerors. There's nothing in life or death that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That, that is the message of the gospel. And to, to twist that um, I, in, in this case is, is it's despicable. I'm really sorry that that happened. You know, um, it challenged me, and but I think that I have grown in my faith, and I've grown closer to God. I've, you know, it, yeah. it reinforced the idea that churches are groups of broken people, and sometimes broken people hurt each other. Yeah. But God is not necessarily the church. We're seeking God, and so it made me seek God as opposed to seeking a church. Yeah, and at the same time, and I just want to follow up on that because here's the other part of this, and I, I do agree with you, but on the other time, on the other hand, I think that we don't want to react to the bad behavior of some individuals in God's name by saying, "Well, I read off the church. I don't need the church. I'll just seek God." You know, this is part of God's plan for you, and it's a good one. And you know what? There are some churches that you don't need to be a part of, like that one. I wouldn't recommend that at all for anybody. But um, but I do hope that you won't give up, you know, keep keep looking for that good Bible teaching church. And if you're in Parker, man, I recommend there's a 